Well, hey, I want to welcome all of you joining in with us right now. Uh, we want to welcome in uh, our campuses, the church there at Williamsburg and in Somerset. We're so glad that you guys are there uh, with us today, and we're excited about what's going on today. If you're watching online, welcome to you too. Uh, my name is Austin, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Creek. And today, I get the privilege of continuing a series that we started last week. And we kicked the year off with this series called "I'm In," and really, this is sort of our attempt at uh, explaining what we think it means to be in, to be all in, uh, when it, in regards to following Jesus. And so um, when I first heard about this series, uh, one thing came to my mind. It was, it was a, a story, a, a quote, if you will, uh, a moment in time uh, in this great philosopher's life. Uh, and I wanted to share that with you as we get things started this morning. Uh, his name is Mr. Miyagi. Let me tell you something right now. That's a bad man right there. That is a bad man. You do not want to mess with that man. All right. Now, if you don't know who this is, this is Mr. Miyagi from the movie, The Karate Kid. I'm talking about the original Karate Kid. Don't be coming to me with this new version of Karate Kid. Get that out of here. All right. This is the real deal. So if you're not familiar with the story, this is Daniel LaRusso and, and Daniel, he's getting picked on. He's moved to this new area. He's getting picked on by the kids at school. He's getting beat up and, and Mr. Miyagi kind of becomes his, his sensei and kind of becomes his Yoda, if you will. And he begins to, to train Daniel. But before they started training uh, Mr. Miyagi, there was, a, there was a moment where Mr. Miyagi went up to Daniel and said, are you ready, Daniel? And he called him Daniel-san, 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 you ready? And Daniel said, I guess so. Oh, no, 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 no. He said, Danielson, come here, sit down. So they crouch down like this. This is the actual part where he's telling him the story. He says, Danielson, walk on road, right side, okay. Left side, okay. Walk in middle, squash, like grape. <laughs> Same way with karate. Karate do yes, okay. Karate do no, okay. Karate do guess so, squish like grape. <laughs> you understand, Daniel, son? And he said, I understand. But that's what I think about when I think about being all in. See, Mr. Miyagi, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't satisfied with I guess so. Are you, are, you, are you in or are you out? Are you willing to do this or are you not? See, that apathy, that kind of apathetic attitude, it bothered Mr. Miyagi. And, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, but that attitude of apathy, it bothers Jesus too. As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke about a church called the Church of Laodicea, and this was one of his churches, but they had just become apathetic. And, and Jesus in Revelation, um, I believe it was three, said, said, you know what? I've seen your works. I see what you're doing. You're neither hot nor you're cold. You're apathetic, and it makes me sick. And I wish you were just one or the other. But stop being apathetic. Stop being apathetic. And the truth is many of us, we find ourselves in a place of apathy because of something that we talked about last week. Uh, we talked about the fact that most of us are too busy living life to think about how we are living life. And it's the beginning of the year, right? So we, 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 every now and then at the beginning of the year, we, we kind of slow down and we start taking inventory and we, we start thinking about some of these things. And so the, the challenge for this series is let, let's slow down for a minute and let's Let's take some time to evaluate how we're living our life and make some adjustments to how we're living our life. And last week, Pastor Trevor laid the foundation for what it means to be in. 
The foundation of the fact that Jesus has invited you to be a part, that Jesus has said that you're in. And we talked through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the fact that you're a part of the body of Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you know Jesus as your savior, you are in, you're a part of the body of Christ and you have a part to play and you have a purpose. Now, whenever I was young, I played sports. And, and when I was in grade school, you know, you would go and like, I don't know how it happened, but I guess your parents just signed you up and you were just on the team. But when I got to middle school, all of a sudden they introduced this thing called tryouts, right? And so we'd have tryouts, you know, and you'd get nervous and whatever. And, and then like it was, it would be, uh, you would get a, a message from your coach or, or at the end of the trial, the coach would say, all right, Monday morning or Monday afternoon at the end of school day, you know, cause I don't want you walking around feeling bad all day for everybody. At the end of the school day, I'm going to post the list of who made the team. So, I mean, that was always a stressful weekend and a stressful day, right? It's like you're at school, you're like, man, you're worried about it. You're worried about your friends who might have made it or didn't make it. And so, you know, now all of a sudden it's like not everybody's making it. So you go and you look at the list and yeah, I'm there or I'm not or whatever. And you, you deal with that and you move on. Last week you learned, we learned that we made the team. Okay. We learned that when we looked at that list, you're good. If you're a follower of Jesus, he invites you to be a part of what he's doing, of his mission, of his purpose. And he has a purpose for you. So the tryouts are over. The tryouts are over. Now, what happens after tryouts is you start, you start going into practice and you start becoming a part of this body. You start becoming a part of this team and you find out what the purpose is and you find out what your role is going to be. And the question at that point is, will I embrace my purpose and will I embrace my role? Am I going to jump into this thing with both feet? Am I in or am I out? Am I only in if I get to play this position? Am I only in if I get to start? Am I only in if I get to do X, Y, or Z? Am I all the way in? Am I cutting corners? Am I ish? Am I in or am I out? Will I embrace what it takes to accomplish the purpose we have together as a team and for us as a body, as a body of believers? And so, hey, if we're asking, will I do what it takes to accomplish my purpose, then it makes sense for us to ask this question, well, Austin, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And we read that last week as well. It's, it's the Great Commission. It's where Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's your purpose? This is your purpose, to go and make disciples. See, Jesus was looking at his disciples in that moment, and he was essentially saying, hey, guys, you know what I've done for you over the last three years? You know how I've, I've mentored you and I've led you and I've answered your questions and I've, I've let you by with some things and I've taught you and I've discipled you. I invited you to follow me in the beginning. You know, that's what I want you to do for other people. That's your purpose. Your purpose is other people, guys. So I want you to do for other people what I have done for you. And so Jesus makes it very plain and very simple. And so our purpose is this, it is to invite people to follow Jesus, to invite people to follow Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is your purpose. This is your purpose. It's every one of our purpose. It's my purpose. We don't get to change it. We don't get to ask questions about it. We don't get to choose it. This people, it's what Jesus is passionate about. Bringing people to himself, inviting people to follow him and all that comes along with that. 
That's our purpose. Our purpose is about people. Do you know that's why you still exist here on this planet if you're a follower of Jesus? That's why you're still here. Because he needs you and he wants you and he has equipped you to reach other people, to invite other people to come be a part of this thing that you found life in. Otherwise, whenever you became a follower of Jesus, why didn't he just take you on up to hang out with him? Right? You ever think about that? Because you're a part of the plan and you're a part of the body. You're a part of the team. And so we get this huge task assigned to us, this huge responsibility of, of, of sharing Jesus with everyone. And in the Great Commission, he says, go into all the world. And sometimes it can seem overwhelming and it can seem massive and it can seem like something that, that we just don't even know where to start. And so our question is, okay, if, if this is my purpose, if my purpose is to invite people to follow Jesus, how, Lord, how, how do I do this? And the truth is, as human beings, we tend to overcomplicate things. Do you guys know that? Got any overcomplicators in here? Huh? At any of the campuses, just lift your hand up. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I want to read you a little story real quick. This is about Dr. Uh, well, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Y'all familiar with them? Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, they went on a camping trip. And after sharing a good meal, they retired to their tent for the night. At about 3 a.m., Holmes nudges Watson and says, Watson, look up in the sky and tell me what you see. Watson says, I see millions of stars. Holmes says, and what does that tell you? Watson replies, well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, it tells me that Saturn is in Leo. Theologically, it tells me that God is great and we are small and insignificant. Orologically, it tells me it's about 3 a.m., and meteorologically, it tells me that we're going to have a beautiful day tomorrow. He says, what does it tell you, Holmes? And Holmes says, somebody stole our tent. <laughs> right? Dr. Watson overcomplicated things. You can see the stars. He missed what was right in front of him. And that's what we do. We overcomplicate things. We, 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 we try to... We try to put in plans and procedures and, and we think about, oh, how would I invite somebody or, or how would I invite somebody to follow Jesus? Well, we, we better, um, oh, I know, we better start a soul winning night, right? Let's start a soul winning night, you know? And so this one particular night a week, we'll go out, uh, we'll take, let's, let's do tracks, okay? So let's create this, this thing and, and, and it's just a little document and it'll help people understand. And, and that's not a bad thing and soul winning nights are a bad thing. I'm not saying that at all. Please don't hear that. Uh, or or let's, let's do a class. Let's, let's, let's figure out some classes so that people can go to those classes and then when they're done with those classes, they can follow Jesus. And, and we just, we make it so complicated. We also make it awkward. Can we just be real? Sometimes we just make it awkward, right? Like cold calling people, you know? Like just, I don't know, I'm going door knocking, I knock on your door. This was like a popular thing for a while or just to see someone out in public. This was an evangelism tactic. Okay, imagine this today. You're out in public, you walk to somebody and say, if you die right now, are you sure you're gonna go to heaven? <laughs> Get away from me, bro. That's how, like you don't even know me and that's the first thing you start with. That's awkward, man. People don't do that. Or we, we use insider language, you know, things that Christians know about, terminology that Christians know. And so we, we try to have a conversation with somebody and we're throwing out all this, you know, jargon and they don't know what's going on. 
Or we tell them like, we, the first thing we tell them is like our spooky kind of mysterious spiritual story where God did the, maybe this thing for us and it was a legitimate thing. Or maybe you're just crazy. Uh, but maybe he did a legitimate thing for you. He's done things for me. Uh, but, but we lead with that story, you know, and they're just like not ready for that at all. And that feels awkward. It's like not the time and place. It's like, hey, how about you tell me your name before you tell me that, you know, you woke up with chill bumps and your arm hairs were in the shape of a cross. You know, that's, that's weird. I don't think that means anything. Um, that's what we do, though. We overcomplicate things. We, we tend to make it awkward. And so how do we do this? And I think the best way to learn for us to learn how to do this is to just go back and take a look at how Jesus called his followers and how his first followers did this exact same thing. How did they do this? How did they do this? And so we're going to look in the book of John chapter one in the beginning of the book. It says the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Now this is John. You probably know him as John the Baptist. Um, and he was, he was, uh, he had been talking about Jesus. He had been telling people about Jesus and he had followers. He had his own disciples and, and he had been telling them about Jesus. Uh, and then Jesus walks by and says, when, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the lamb of God. And so he had been talking about Jesus, obviously. And, and he pointed and said, Hey, look, there he is. That's the guy I've been talking about. And so when the two disciples heard, uh, that when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Like they physically just started following him down the road. And turning around, Jesus saw them and he asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he said, and you will see. So they went, they saw where he was staying. They spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So let's, let's, let's think about what's just happened here. John has people in his life, has friends, has people he has influence over. He's been telling them about this guy who came, who is the fulfillment of all these prophecies, the, the, the Messiah that was to come, that they've been waiting on, hadn't heard anything about for 400 years. He's been telling his guys, hey, he's here. And so then Jesus walks by and John says, there he is. Remember, you know, the guy I've been telling you about, that's him. That's Jesus. That's the Lamb of God. And so they run off and start following Jesus. And Jesus is walking down the road. Jesus was like, what do you guys want? And then they subtly basically invite themselves to hang out with Jesus. They say, well, where are you staying, Jesus? Where is it that we can find you in case we wanted to, to get near you and hang out? And Jesus is like, well, come on, I'll show you. And then they hang out for the day. This is not complex. This is just life. This is just life. Then it goes on. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John said and who had followed Jesus. And so Andrew was one of the guys who had followed Jesus. Andrew is Simon Peter's brother. And so the first thing Andrew did was he went and found his brother, Simon, and he told him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. So after Andrew hangs out with Jesus, and realizes Jesus is who he says he is, that he's the Messiah, the first thing he thinks is, I gotta tell my brother about this. I, I gotta go tell Simon. I gotta go tell him. And so he goes 
And Simon, and he says, he says, Simon, guess what? He says, you know how for the last 400 years we've been waiting on the Messiah? You know how we haven't heard any more prophecy for 400 years? You know how it seems like things are getting hopeless and times are hard and maybe it was just all bull and maybe he's never coming and maybe we're losing faith a little bit and the world just seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. He's here. I saw him. He came. He's here. The wait is over. So he goes and tells his brother, this makes sense. We do this, we do this stuff all the time. When we see something phenomenal, when we experience something phenomenal, or even just good, we share it with people. When something happens, when we have a great meal, we say, hey, have you ever eaten this place? Oh, you need to get that 27 ounce filet, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Don't worry, it has fries too. We share these things. I remember one time, we, Jack Willis, one of our pastors, he's down there in Williamsburg, and uh, he was here and he saw a black bear running through, the, running through the parking lot of the church and he got it on video. Well, you would have thought Jesus had come back again. We were all around, did y'all see this black bear? Hey, that church parking lot has black bear. Look, that thing's pretty big, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say that thing's probably, you know, a good, and we were, everybody's talking about it. You see that thing so-and-so did in the ball game? I mean, that's what we do. This is just life. This is just what we do. We do it in every other area of our life, but that's what Andrew did. He went and he just told his brother, the Messiah's here, the wait's over. And then he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated, it's Peter. So Jesus changes Peter's name or changes Simon's name to Peter. But I want you to notice that Andrew brought Peter. Andrew didn't stop at just telling Peter about Jesus. He didn't just stop at, at saying, "Hey, we found the Messiah. This is awesome." He said, "No, you gotta, you gotta come. I'm gonna take you, and we're gonna go experience this." He didn't say, "You know what, Peter? You know we found the Messiah, and if you get time." And you want to stop by and say hi. Or, I mean, if you got nothing, if you don't have anything going on, I mean, I know you got, you're busy, you know, you got your fishing business and you know, like if you end up with some time and you want to come by some time, go see him. No, he brought him to Jesus. He said, come on, let's go. I'll take you. And then the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And he found Philip in Galilee. And he said to Philip, follow me. And then Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Philip says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, come and see, said Philip. Come and see. So Jesus goes to Galilee, tells Philip to follow him. Philip starts following him, realizes this guy's legit. Goes and says, all right, I gotta go tell Nathaniel. He tells Nathaniel, Nathaniel's like, listen, man, I got my doubts. I got my questions. I got my concerns, okay? Like, I've heard things about that place, and I don't know if that's the kind of place that I need to be associated with or be a part of. And so, you know, what Nathaniel does, he says, well, why don't you just come and see for yourself? Yeah, maybe you've heard. Maybe Nazareth has a reputation. Maybe you're not sure, but why don't you just come see for yourself? Come and see. 
come and see. This is how it happened, guys. This is how the first followers of Jesus came to be. This is how they began to make other disciples. This is how they invited other people to follow. This is not complex. This is not complex. This is simple. This is just living life. This is just using common sense. This is just being somewhat attentive and aware of what's going on in the world. And that's all it is. There's no underlying secretive plan. Now, God has a plan, absolutely. But Jesus and John didn't get together at the beginning of all this. And John was like, uh, so tomorrow, Jesus, I'm going to be hanging out with some of my guys over here. And uh, if you walked by right down this road, that would be really cool. And I'll be like, hey, there he is. Well, they're going to run to you because I've been talking you up like nobody's business. And so they're going to come. They're going to start following you. All right. So if you'll just hang out with them, um, you know, I know the deal. I know the situation. Uh, Andrew, he's going to freak out. He's going to go run to Peter and he's going to tell Peter. Okay. And so Peter's going to, he's going to follow you. I know Peter. So he's going to come. He's going to follow you. Uh, and then the next day, if you'll go to Galilee, uh, Philip's there. So you go to Galilee, you see Philip, uh, hand him this tract and ask him these three questions and he'll convert. I promise you he'll convert uh, and he'll follow you. And then he's going to tell Nathaniel, right? And then Nathaniel, I know Nathaniel, he's kind of, you know, he's skeptic. He's not going to be sure about this. So he's going to be like, yeah, I don't know. And so then, and then get this, get this Jesus. Philip's going to say, come and see. Jesus is like, that'll preach. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, they're going to be using that in churches for like centuries to come. That's so good. That didn't happen. They just lived their life. They just went and did what they were doing. And as they were doing it, they had their eyes open. They had their hearts ready. They were prepared. It's not complex. Fulfilling our purpose is not complex, but it is also not an accident. See, you will never accidentally live on purpose. Ooh, that's deep, isn't it? Sort of self-explanatory. You'll never accidentally live on purpose. You make a decision to live on purpose. You decide to live on purpose. It's intentional. It requires focus. It requires your attention. And so, as followers of Jesus, our purpose is this. Invite people to follow Jesus. Your purpose is people. Jesus' heart was for people. Jesus looked at people. He looked at the multitudes and the crowds one day, and he said to his disciples, look, they're helpless and they're harassed. There's so many needs. The fields are ripened to harvest. The fields are ready, but the laborers are few. Guys, I need laborers. I need people to go and work these fields. I need people to go and love these people. That's what I'm doing with you guys. I'm getting you ready to go and unleash you on the world, to love the people around you. That's what Jesus' heart is. Jesus' heart was for people. And so the question is, if this is our purpose, to invite people to follow Jesus, if that's our purpose, then how, let's go back one, then how are you doing? 
That's the question today. If we're slowing down, if we're taking time to evaluate how we're living our lives at the beginning of the year, how are you doing with your purpose? Well, I think that's a pretty important question. How are you doing with the reason that you exist? That's pretty important. That's worth slowing down and think about. See, I can remember a time in my life when I was doing better at this. When I was doing better at this, when I was fired up about Jesus and what he had done for me. And I was fired up to tell people about it. And yeah, I was pretty rough around the edges and I wasn't seasoned with very much grace and I was harsh and I was cold calling and I was knocking on doors and I was doing all the stuff that I kind of, you know, somewhat made fun of just a minute ago. I was doing all that. And people were following Jesus. I was seeing people around me come to faith in Jesus. I was so excited, that reignited, that, that was like a cycle that just got me excited when, when this person followed Jesus, and when this person took a step, it was like, yes, this is what it's all about. Thank you, Lord, you're with me, I can feel you. There was a time, honestly, when I feel like I was doing better at reaching people. Because you grow, and, and you get a family, and, and you get busy, and you have a job, and. It's just hard to find those opportunities. It's hard to find new people and the excuses keep on coming. And my faith has never been more alive than in that season. I felt closer to God than ever. And the truth is, is that it's hard to feel God's presence when you're not pursuing God's purpose. It's hard to feel God's presence when you're not pursuing God's purpose. And so if you feel distant, could it be it's because you haven't been pursuing God's actual purpose for your life? You haven't been pursuing the heart of God because the heart of God is people. Could it be? See, we started in the beginning of John to draw an example of how we do this as followers of Jesus. And I want to take you to the end of John, to John chapter 20. This is after Jesus has died. He spent his three years with the disciples. He's died. He's resurrected. He spent all this time with them, training them up, getting them ready, explaining what was going to happen, explaining that he was going to die, explaining that he was going to go away, explaining that he was going to prepare a place for them, all these things. And in John chapter 20, he, he finds the disciples hiding behind locked doors, all together huddled up. He shows them his scars to say, look guys, it's okay. I'm alive, just like I said. I rebuilt this temple. And then in verse 21, again Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. It's like Jesus was saying, go, <laughs> what are you doing here? Haven't you been listening? Can't you understand? Maybe I haven't done a great job teaching, I don't know. Go, I man, I'm Jesus, surely I've done a pretty good job teaching. Get out of here, go do what I've asked you to do. 
And so he has this encounter with them and he tells them again what to do. And then at least a week later, something happens in John chapter 21. And I just wanna read this story to you. It won't take long. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. This is a week after what just happened. After Jesus said, I'm sending you, go. They're all together. I'm going out to fish, Peter said. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got in the boat and they caught nothing all night. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was him. He called out to them, friends, haven't you caught any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some fish. And when they did, they caught so many fish, you couldn't even count the number and they couldn't get the net in. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him say it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and he jumped in the water and he swam to Jesus. It was about a hundred yards. And the rest of them followed in the boat. They get to the shore and Jesus has fire going and he's, he's making them some breakfast and they sit down and they have breakfast together. And Jesus kind of pulls Peter aside and they have this conversation. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus replied, then feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. And the third time he said, Simon, Peter, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked this question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And again, Jesus said, feed my sheep. What was Jesus concerned about? His sheep, people, those people that he had pointed out to his disciples when he said they're helpless and harassed. They need help. I'm sending you to help them. I know Peter I know that you love me, Peter. And I know that this is frustrating you as I ask you this. And, because I know that you love me so much, Peter, that, that you jumped out of that boat. You jumped out of that boat when you saw me and you swam 100 yards just to be with me. You love me so much and you want to be with me, Peter. And I appreciate that, Peter, but that's not enough. Just being with me is, that's not enough to fulfill your purpose. See, I've got something more for you, Peter. Feed my lambs. 
Yeah, I know, Peter, I know that you love me. I remember when we were in the garden, when I was praying in the garden before I was crucified and the guards came to take me away and you pulled your sword and you loved me so much that you would stand between their swords and me and you would defend me, you would stand up for me, you would protect me. But remember, Peter, I rebuked you and I told you to stand down. I even called you Satan. I appreciate that you would love me that much, but that's not what I'm looking for. That's not how you prove your love to me, Peter. The way you prove your love to me is by taking care of the flock, people. It's pursuing people. Peter, I really need you to get your heart aligned with my heart and understand that I care about people. Yes, I love you and I wanna spend time with you, but your purpose is people. We'll spend time together. Time won't even exist when we spend time together, Peter. So we'll spend forever together. But Peter, my heart is for people. I know you're passionate about fishing. I know you like fishing and there's nothing wrong with having passions, but I need you to start pursuing your purpose, Peter. Instead of pursuing your passion, why don't you get passionate about pursuing your purpose? Listen, when I, when I read this, I read this in a book called Lead for God's Sake. You should go check it out. When I read this, it changed the way I viewed my life. Because you always hear people say, you know, just what you're passionate about, you know, follow your passions, figure out what you're passionate about, and then pursue that. That sounds pretty logical. So you do that. But then it's just, things aren't quite right and and it just doesn't feel right and you still have this uneasiness about your life and how things are going and you have this sense that you're not really doing what you're supposed to be doing or whatever. But think about this. Instead of pursuing your passion, what if you got passionate about pursuing your purpose? Well, I'm passionate about Baking bread. I'm a baker. I'm passionate about it. I know all the little things that go into it. I know how to make it do this and that, how to flavor it just the right way. Oh, it's amazing when you put this butter on it or that. I'm passionate about that. Wonderful. But instead of pursuing making bread all of your life, what if you got passionate about pursuing the purpose that God has given you of reaching people? Maybe you can use your passion to pursue your purpose. Maybe you'd have to abandon it because in the grand scheme of things, maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. But what if you got passionate about your purpose? See, we get so busy living life, pursuing passions, careers, hobbies, athletics. Well, we spend time getting little Johnny ready, making sure he's the best one out there making sure that he looks good and he's got the stuff and he's the most prepared. Academics, making sure they make the grade, making sure they're smart enough. We pursue financial freedom. We pursue romance. That's a passion. None of these things are bad things. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is they're not the most important thing. I know that, and you know that. They're luxuries. They're not why we're here. 
And so what stops us from pursuing our passion? We overcomplicate it. We lose our focus. We pursue other passions. Our purpose is to invite people to follow Jesus. That's why our mission here at the Creek is love God, love people, make disciples. That's why one of our core values says everyone can reach someone because we believe that you can and should be reaching people. That's why we're praying for God to give us Kentucky to take over this state because there's 4 million people in this state and over half of those people say that they don't believe. That's a field that's ready for harvest. And we need workers. Our purpose is to invite people to follow Jesus. To invite people to follow Jesus. Go back for me. That's why some of our goals for this year include the fact that we want to see 2,500 guests come through the doors of all of our campuses this year. And we want to see 300 baptisms as a body, as a local church. Those are our goals, and that's why they're our goals, because that's our purpose, and those are realistic goals. They're ambitious, but they're not out of reach. And you are a vital part of us reaching those goals, of us reaching the state of Kentucky, of you reaching someone, of us making disciples. You're a vital role of us fulfilling our purpose as followers of Jesus. You have a part, you play a part, and we need you. So here's some ways some practical handles, some practical tips for you to invite people to follow Jesus. Number one, leverage your influence. Leverage your influence. There are people that you have influence over. You may say, I don't have any influence. Yes, you have influence. You have relationships that already exist. You have authority over certain people. You have status. Listen, if you're a coach, Billy Graham said that a coach impacts more people in one year than the average person will in a lifetime. I'm telling you, you have tremendous Influence. As a matter of fact, there's a man that I know who had a coach who was very, very outspoken Christian. And the man told me not too long ago, he said, yeah, he always talked about Christianity. He always talked about Jesus and all this. He said, but I always wondered if this is so important and such a big deal, why did you never invite me? You have influence. You have family. Leverage your influence and then build relationships. Listen, take an interest in people. The people that are already around you that maybe you haven't. Talk to them. Get to know them. Love them. I know they've probably got issues and people, uh, it's, you know. You have to build new relationships if we're going to invite people to Jesus. Or else we just tell everybody we know and then, okay, I guess we're ready to die. Lord, take us on. We've got to build new relationships. Invite people into your life. We're going to talk about inviting people to church, and that's huge. But don't forget that you're called to invite people into your life. Invite them to your home. Invite them to your dinner table. Invite them into your life. 
Tell them what's going on with you. Help them along. Get to know them. Because it's so much easier to have influence over someone who actually you know and you care about and they know it. They know that you care about them. They know they're not just a project to you. That you're trying to put another notch in your belt. Get to know people and then invite people to church. Invite people to church. Yeah, there's things that are said about our church and things that people have heard and they're unsure and whatever. Just say, hey, come and see. Come and see for yourself. If you don't like it, okay. Hey, guess what? Come sit with me. You can sit with me. You'll have a place to be. You can come sit with me. Don't just invite them. Bring them. Bring them. Take a page out of Andrew's book. This is inviting people to follow Jesus. Do you realize that we work hard to make it easy for you to invite people? And we hope we do a good job. But listen, there's no judgment here. We say all the time, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you're welcome here. It doesn't matter what the person's going to wear. We're not going to point them out or embarrass them. It's an easy invite. We try hard to make it a high-quality experience and high-quality environments that they can enjoy. It's an easy invite. And here's some signs that somebody might be ready for an invite. If you hear some, somebody say that things are not going well in whatever area of their life, my marriage isn't going well, work's not going well, this isn't going well, that's a great opportunity. Say, hey, here's where I was. Things weren't going well with my marriage or my job or whatever. And this really helped me. You should, you should come and see. You should come check it out. You should come sit with me. We'll go to lunch afterwards talk about it you know no pressure if something's not going well if there's something going on that they're not prepared for they're getting ready to get married trust me they ain't prepared (laughs) they're getting ready to switch jobs they're getting ready to get a promotion they're getting ready to have kids trust me they ain't ready hey when we had kids we were scared to death we didn't know what was going on but you know what really helped us was the series that they did at church it talked about parenting Number three, if they happen to mention that they're not in church, they brought it up. (laughs) Those are easy invites. Those are easy invites. Our purpose is to invite people to follow Jesus. Now I want to share a story with you real quick. And then we're done. This is about James Bass. This is James here. He and his wife, Tammy, and their daughter, Riley, attend our Somerset campus. You may remember them from our Give Us Kentucky video earlier uh, last year. If you haven't seen that, you haven't heard their story, just go to YouTube, type Give Us Kentucky 2019. Trust me, you need to, you need to hear their story. But essentially, uh, they lost, they lost a ch- their first child during childbirth. Uh, they were dealing with addiction. Um, they were struggling really bad. Their marriage was near the end. They ended up coming to the creek. Um, and last February, James was baptized. And on the same day, Tammy was baptized. And let me tell you something. They got fired up about what God had done in their life. And they started telling. They started using the influence they had. They started talking about it around their families. And last week at the Somerset campus, James baptized his sister 
kidding me? They've been attending for a year and a half. A year and a half. I spoke with James this week. He said, hey, he said, you know, I'm not trying to brag about this or anything. He said, we've been going here for a year and a half. And we filled a whole row over there at the center in Somerset. Some people, this, now I'm, I'm quoting. Some people may think that's a lot. Some people may think that's not enough. But I'm just going to keep on keeping on because Jesus changed our lives through the creek. I love that. <laughs> James, you keep on keeping on. Tammy, you keep on keeping on. Those of you who are inviting and bringing people to Jesus, you keep on keeping on because you know what he's done for you. You know what he can do for them. God's purpose is for you to invite people to Jesus. And we are on mission to do that together. And you are a vital part of that. And regardless of how you've been doing with that, you get to decide today, are you in? Yes or no? Are you in? Yes or no? There's no guess so. Remember Mr. Miyagi? There's no following Jesus guess so. If you follow Jesus guess so, you'll get squished like a grape. I'm telling you, your life will be very confusing, frustrating, unfulfilling, and eventually the weight of it will crush you. It'll crush your soul. And if it sounds like I just described your life, why don't you decide to go all in today? Why don't you say yes to his purpose for your life? Maybe you're here somewhere along the way. You just got distracted. You just lost focus. Or maybe you overcomplicated this thing and it made you afraid to even try. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't say guess so. Don't say no. Listen, you have a kingdom to advance. You have a cause to fight for. You have a purpose to live for and a calling to fulfill. Are you in? That's the question. Let's pray together. On all of our campuses with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you a simple question this morning. If you are here on any campus today and you would say, Austin, I've not been performing in this area like I should be. I've not been fulfilling my purpose like I should. I've gotten distracted or any of those other things that I said are listed. But Austin, today is the day that I mark it down and I say yes. If Jesus is asking me, am I in? If Jesus is asking me to give him my entire heart and align it with his, then today I'm saying yes to that. And from this point forward, I'm gonna do my best to pursue his purpose for my life. If that's you on all of our campuses, will you just lift your hand? Just lift your hand this morning. I see them. Yep, mine too. On all of our campuses, if you would, just go ahead and stand together. We're getting ready to sing. And if that's you, if today you've decided, you know what, I'm all in today. God, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my entire heart. Take the next few minutes to just express that to God. 
the best way that you know how through singing this song as we proclaim to him, God, my heart is yours. Lord, help us as we sing. We thank you for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name.